0: Hello, you're listening to episode 13 of 8 Minute Movies, Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in 8 Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him. Peter, how you doing today, Peter? Oh, I'm good. Episode 13. Who would have thought we'd get here? I mean, um, we, we would have, because we counted how many. Yeah, I mean me, because me I because I because I, yeah. I wrote a thing, it divided the epi- the yeah. film up into little chunks. There were 15 of them. Yeah. There were 15 we, we, episodes we, we knew, in the season. We, we knew how many. We, we, we knew how many all knew. Stuff. We all knew. Everyone yeah. knew. I think I think we say it mm-hmm. even in some of the earlier episodes. Yes. yes. Sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up. Um, of course, 13 is the unluckiest episode of any podcast. Well, they say it's lucky for some, but I don't know what they mean by that. <laughs> I don't think they do either. Um, are are you well? I'm well, yeah, yeah, i'm I'm pretty good i'm I'm relaxed. I have a a couple of um a couple of topics for today, to, a couple of diversions to prevent us from actually talking about uh, alien for a little while if you'd like that. oh gosh, you' you're going you're going to start us off with um with with stuff that's not on topic. <laughs> well an unusual shock. Yeah, um I've been looking at the uh, episodes because they come up in my YouTube recommendations every time mm. that you release an episode and just watching the duration creep a little longer and I just I know that it's not because we've got more and more interesting things to say about <laughs> alien. Um <laughs> <so> <laughs> the last yeah. one I think was 2 hours. Do you um do you, do, you want my, do you want my hashtag life hack for um for when the episodes pop up in your in your YouTube recommendations? Um what 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 is your what is it go go i uh i i open them in in a in a new browser tab and i let them play all the way through while muted ah so it's just a, just get those metrics up raise raise those numbers yeah i should do that as well yeah you should we really got to get to the point where we're getting sponsors i uh you know i need to be making money off this if th- this thing man this, this is my side hustle <laughs> <laughs> uh would you like to buy some 8 minute movies merchandise <laughs> Well, um, you can't. Well, oh my God. Look, why was it when I when it said 8 Minute Movies merchandise, the only thing that immediately popped into my head is like one of those pens, you know, those sexy seaside pens where you tip it upside oh, down. Nice, and yeah. like, like it's like one of us stripping. Yeah, that's good. Oh boy, yeah, that, that's... Oh fuck, i got to look into how much it costs to have those made now. You know what came into <laughs> my mind, which would never happen, um, It is even less likely than sexy pens of us (laughs) um is like box sets of the film that we're talking about but each dvd is just one of the eight minutes oh yeah i i i I love the idea of just being incredibly wasteful no they're blu-rays you get um you know you get 15 blu-rays to watch alien on it's it's, it's vhs oh god (laughs) turn tape over um oh oh god Uh, so so what what are your um tedious digressions this month (laughs) well i've been playing a video game Uh so that's that's nice Uh, uh, when you say playing a video game do you mean differently than just uh clicking on a fucking sign to see if you can buy a digital house (laughs) Uh yeah, I do mean that. Uh, Okay, uh, good. (laughs) I do mean different from that. Uh, I have been playing a game. I don't know whether you've heard of it called uh, Inscription. Oh, I haven't heard of it. It's Inscription with with a Y in the middle, rather than an I in the middle. So it's like crypt, Mm, spooky inscription. Yes. Uh, Now, have you heard of a game called? Po- I think it's called Pony Island. No, I haven't. Oh, ever... How far down this rabbit hole are we gonna go? Like, like at what oh. point do we each a game I've heard of? Well, okay. Uh Pony Island was a uh, a game that was released a few um a, a few years ago, and it was one of those kind of um instant runner. Yeah, the instant runner, Oh that fuck. Yeah, like yeah, can about, can about style thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, it, I vaguely remember this now. Yeah, it's one of those Infinite Runner-style games, but it gets super weird with Mm. it. Um, And uh, it was a a little bit of a a, a cult success at at the time. Uh, And uh, so people were highly anticipating whatever this maker came up with next. And I don't know whether he made anything in the meantime, and I've forgotten his name. I'm so badly prepared, I I should say it. I I, I should. You you want to go look it up and then say it, and I'll I'll edit this to make it sound like you. You you knew what you were saying, Uh, listeners. I won't edit this. Yeah, no. You're just gonna make me look. look Make him seem a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, It is by a creator called uh, Daniel Mullins uh, of Daniel Mullins Games. So probably just basically makes these games uh, uh, on his own with a mm. little bit of extra help. Um, and uh, I would say the thing about... Um, ding. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm not <laughs> going to complain. We can explain why, why he said ding <laughs> later. But yeah, that, fair cop. Ding! Um, <laughs> Uh, so what I would say about Pony Island is that while it is really great at getting weird, mm. the base Infinite Runner game of it is, is not very good. It's very rudimentary. It's just a an excuse to make a game that gets very weird, basically. Right. Um, and this new game, Inscription, is also a game which kind of breaks free of its bounds and gets very weird, but the basic game layer underneath it is also just quite good on its own um, and what it is 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 um, it's kind of a deck building card game, so right. it's in the vein of games like Slay the Spire where you're trying to get through a route on a map and as you do, you've got various different ways of getting and or modifying cards that you have in your deck and you use those to enter different battles and then at the, the end of the zones beat bosses which um, uh, uh, allow you to progress on your path towards uh, to, to, towards the end of the game. And the the setting for it is you're in this kind of shack and there's this creepy person uh, you for for a lot of the game you only ever really see his his eyes peering out and his hands, uh, which occasionally reach out towards you, and uh, and the rest of it is is, is kind of dark. Uh, and for various reasons, you 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 realize that that you can get up up out of your seat and ex- explore around the room that you're in a little while as well. Is it um, a VR game? no no um it's uh, just a regular regular old computer game uh, and to go into what the game becomes beyond that would be quite spoilery so i can't <laughs> <laughs> so i can't really get into it in any great detail only to say that it really kind of stretches what you can do with that sort of game it it changes a lot i would say it goes through two quite major changes uh through the the course of its runtime um and and really really plays with its uh, its basic gameplay concept and is just very clever Uh, it's very atmospheric as well just apart Mm. from all of the stuff going on uh, and uh, uh and a very weird game the only The only downside I would say to it is is that I think the basic game is so good that I would have kind of been happy just to play a more (laughs) kind of straight version of that uh, without the extra kind of meta layers on top of it. Um, Uh, You're concerned they went too far the other way. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, I I felt like the the basic game was uh, was so enjoyable that I did the meta layers. Well, they were nice and they were cool, but um, it was almost annoying to be interrupted by weird stuff happening on top of that. <laughs> um, but not only that, and I wish I'd known this, so I could have got in at the, at the ground floor of this that. On top of all of this, there's a huge kind of ARG layer to this game as well. Right. And so even if you kind of unlock all the game's weirdness, you can go a layer deeper and probe into things a little further and find these Easter eggs which give you clues to a mm. whole layer beyond this, which is a big old puzzle, which I think has mostly been solved now. Mm. Uh, but if I'd have known about it at the time, it would have been the sort of thing that I could have... Um, very easily got quite obsessed with, as I have done with a few. Uh, yeah, those, I, those I, I was going to say cards. usually usually, um, preternaturally attached to any ARG whatsoever. Yeah, um, I mean, you know that I, I used to like... Lo- there was a, a collectible card series that was... Um, released, uh, years and years ago called uh, perplex city. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I was looking at my collection of Perplexity city cards today. I don't know where mine are. It's annoying I, me. I look at them. I look at them every so often. And I think I should throw these away, but they're, <laughs> they're but they're so nice, like all together. Like they, you know, the art on them is so nice, and they they're printed on such high quality cards. So I can never bring myself to do it. It's a it's a card game, a collectible card game with puzzles on it that was well finished 15, <laughs> 15 years ago. But I keep looking at them and going, oh, they are nice yeah they started a second series of it but they they stopped it quite a uh, quite a short way into the run unfortunately um and that that company has kind of moved on to other things now uh, and uh, it was really good it was exactly up my alley because you'd you'd scratch these codes off of them and you'd enter them into a website in order to be able to solve the puzzles on the cards and you'd get points for solving the uh, the different puzzles and there were different uh, uh colors which were related to the difficulty of the puzzles but also the rarity of the cards and uh it was just it it was a thing that seemed designed specifically to ensnare me Mm -hmm. and uh i I think probably at at the time i spent quite a lot of money that i should have been saving uh for other things (laughs) Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's a big chunk of the old student loan <laughs> student loan <laughs> right in there. Yeah, I I really love that. And uh, so similarly, if there's any sort of uh, ARG involved in something, and I can get in on it before it's been solved, um, I'm happy to do that. There were some puzzles associated with the game Fez. You remember Fez? Uh, yep. That. Uh, that I helped solve at the time, and was was very very proud of my. I, I remember you got you, you got into the into the digital newspapers, didn't you? With your yeah, your solving little, of the Fez, got a little article because I um solved um one of the puzzles in Fez in a way that is slightly adjacent to the way that the Enigma machine was solved, <laughs> <laughs> which is that the uh, the the nice thing there is that one of the methods they used to uh, uh, attack that um, cipher uh, was to basically guess mm. what the words near the beginning of it would be um because it was the they, weather reports wasn't it that yeah uh, they the weather did them report. in the end so uh, uh, they'd guess what words might be at the beginning and uh, if they got that right, then that me- meant that they could then unpick the rest of the uh, the key or whatever it was for mm. that for for that particular machine, and um, it was uh, uh, it was a similar method that I used <laughs> finding a, a suitably obscure word um, for uh, that could be in this uh, encoded uh, uh, in- in- encoded book in order to guess how it was scrambled. Yeah, so I uh, like puzzles, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm not as good at some people as, as some people at puzzles, but I think I'm quite good at puzzles. I, uh, I often wish I had the sort of brain that could understand puzzles. I just look at them and I go puzzle, and then I go for a lie down. Um, how would you like me to talk about a completely, um unrelated subject but one that has nevertheless been on my mind lately uh, is this bovril it's bovril what I, like you mentioned in in the in the green room uh, <laughs> that that, um, that that you'd be be planning to talk about Bovril and I am both curious and afraid <laughs> um, so some weeks ago I Went into a shop with the intention of buying some Bovril because I just had a Bovril craving. Do you ever have a Bovril craving? Uh I have never had a Bovril craving. No, okay. It's fair enough. Um But I just thought to myself, you know what, I haven't had a Bovril in years and it's getting a bit colder. I can imagine myself with a little warm mug of Bovril there, so I will get some. And I could not find it in any shops. Um, Casp. And so I was like, okay, never mind. I will have a Bovril tomorrow because I will order Bovril from the internet. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did this very kind of quickly without looking properly at what I was getting and accidentally, oh no. uh, accidentally ordered six jars of Bovril <laughs> in, instead of the, the one that I thought I was getting. Um, I, I now have too much Bovril. That's it's very useful because I'm, I'm going to tell you now, uh, a real cocktail that people used to have back in the days before taste buds were invented was the bilk. Um, can you imagine what the ingredients are? Can you guess? <laughs> I'll give you a clue. The B stands for Bovril. And milk. Yep, Bovril and milk. It's just just all the things that come out of a cow mixed together. No, it's funny you should say that, because I'm going to talk about that in a second as well. Oh my god. Oh my god, why... So I was talking about this with a friend, and we ended up just looking on the because um, I described it. I was trying to describe. I was describing it as a beef tea, which it basically that makes sense as a description, mm. right? Um, and uh, I noticed on the uh, on the packaging of the bovril, they also say you can use it as a spread, which I don't know um, because. On the face of it, it's just kind of a bit like Marmite, right? Yeah. Um, but it's actually a lot runnier than Marmite. So I don't know about using it as a spread. It feels feels a bit weird to me. <laughs> it would it would get everywhere, I think. Um, but the other thing that it said on there is that it's uh, made with water. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, less commonly, with milk. Yeah. It says on Wikipedia. So it's like... That seems like a nightmare. That seems like it would be horrible having bovril with milk. Did you make? Did you make a bilk? So, but then I was like, boy, I've got to try it now, haven't I? So, oh, no. oh, I made a no. mug of bovril with milk, and it's going to be a bit of an anticlimax because it's fine. It <laughs> it, it just kind of tastes like a a less strong bobber. It, it kind of it, it mellows out the taste a bit in the same way that milk m- mellows out a, a cup of tea a bit you, you know what i mean yeah um and it doesn't really interfere very much with the taste of it at all um i think the best use for this is probably just as a kind of prank when you're bringing someone a, a cup of tea, because that's what it just looks like after you put the milk, in. <laughs> and uh, they think they've got a lovely cup of tea, and suddenly mouthful of bovril. Prank, prank all your vegan friends with a uh, yeah. <laughs> with a jar full of bilk. Um, uh, but the other thing, uh, as I was talking to this friend, uh, that we d- we discovered was the origin of the. Um, the name Bovril, do you know about this? I, I, I do know where the name Bovril comes from, but uh, um, but ple- please enlighten the, the listeners at home. Here, I'll just bring up the Wikipedia page so I can read this out so I don't get it wrong. Because... Um, I think Vril is the key part here. This is, uh, this is wild. Um... So... <laughs> uh... So the... First part of the um, product's name comes from Latin bovinus, meaning ox. I don't think anyone is surprised by that. Bov, yep, yeah, we we know it. Bovine is a word. Hmm. We know all about bov. Uh, Johnston took the Vril suffix <laughs> from Edward Bulver-Lytton's then popular novel, The Coming Race, yep. <laughs> uh, from 1870, uh, the plot of which revolves around a superior race of people the Vrilia, who derive their (laughs) powers from an electromagnetic substance named Vril. Therefore, Bovril indicates great (laughs) strength obtained from an ox. (laughs) How about that? When when, when you start looking into the the names we have for everyday things, you start picking them apart and you're like, this is really weird. (laughs) Did we... Did we did we talk about Ribena before, and where the where the name for that comes from? Um, i I know that I've heard this before. Mm. I don't know whether we've talked about it on the podcast or not. Yeah, I I know we've talked about it, but, but yeah. So so Ribena is another thing where it, which like yeah. you know it, it's a blackcurrant juice drink that's popular in the UK and probably nowhere else on earth. Mm. And um. The 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 Ribena part of the name comes from Ribes nigrum, which is the the Latin name for the blackcurrant plant. Ah, yes. I've like, I've I, I reached my late thirties without ever being curious about why it was called the Ribena. Yeah, you just don't think of it, do you? That's no, so, uh, it just you just assume it's like a gibberish name. But they're like, no, no, it's a really, it's a contraction of the Latin name for the blackcurrant, or like it was invented by sir charles ribino or something (laughs) after Um, one of his daughters was (laughs) tragically crushed in a blackcurrant press um Uh, um bovril though like i i have nothing against bovril i i have had it in the past i've got a bit i've never ever done any of the things on the packet it tells you to do with it no it, you, just, they, you just eat a spoonful of it when you want to eat something that's kind of like a cow fell in a blender, yeah, I mean now that um now that I've had a mug of bovril with with milk uh i i I suppose I've gotta try the um, the spread thing at some point and report back yeah um, do, do you know do you know what it is you just end up with sort of like beefy toast <laughs> and and just uh just one more thing on bovril, if that whole Are thing you... <laughs> about. The nov- the novel called "The Coming Race" and <laughs> yes. you know the superior race of people. Um, if that sounds a little bit kind of <laughs> fascist-y to you, then I'm not saying I'm, I'm I'm not saying that Bovril is a Nazi drink. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I mean, it's got the same colour scheme as the swastika exactly. <laughs> Um, but oh, that, that's God. just a coincidence. I'm not saying because I, I know that people are going to write in and say, say that I think that Bovril is a Nazi drink. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, 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 there are just a few <laughs> red flags that have the same color scheme as Bovril. Um, but, uh, but I'm not saying that. I just want to make it very clear that I I do not think that bovril is a drink for Nazis, drank uh, exclusively by Nazi people. Because I obviously I'm I'm not a Nazi. Like, uh, <sighs> before you went on a lengthy tirade proclaiming Bovril to be the one true drink for the Fourth Reich, uh, I, I was going to suggest that maybe we try and get them to sponsor us for this episode. Uh, however, now I think we need to get someone else to sponsor us to defend us against legal issues. Which well, no, no, they, they, they should sponsor us because I've made it extremely clear that it's not the position of this podcast that Bovril is a Nazi drink. <laughs> I, I, I want you to stop saying that. <laughs> Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Um, um, th- e- anything else tra- trapped in your brain that needs to get out? <laughs> Why any, don't any, you- any other like weird substances from the distant past you decide that you need to fuel yourself on this day? No, no, it's, it's it's all out there now. Why don't we move on to you and how you are and all of the things you need to get off your chest? Oh God, Uh, I I don't even have have any this time. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I am okay. I'm doing okay. Doing okay as usual. Everyone's doing okay. Um, Oh, oh, exciting stuff! Uh, Bought a new oven. Yeah, a new oven. Yeah, new oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the other one, the the previous oven is broken. Um. So, t- tell me about the breakage of this oven. Mm, so, so it it's like thirty something years old. So, what's happened is it's just broken because it's old. It's just and just uh, good old I mean like energy. I I mean like you know big mood. Am I right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but now it, it's a gas oven and it only has two settings now: off and terrible blazing inferno. So, um, uh, okay. So the oven can either be off where there's no nothing cooking inside it or on, and uh, you can cook a roast in like two to three minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not very good though. It turns out that just making it hotter is not the solution to cooking things faster. No, uh, well, I mean, I, it is, it's just not, you know, they don't come out edibly at the end, yeah, and they won't necessarily be cooked, uh, well. Mm. Um, so as we know, I I recently bought a television, and we learned that televisions are just getting weirder and weirder. Mm. I need you to reassure me that ovens are still basically normal. Uh, yeah this this one this one is is a dumb oven. It doesn't right. plug in or anything. We did look at getting like a fancy electric oven, mm. but it turns out in order to do that, the house is so old that they'll have to basically take the entire house apart and put <laughs> it put it back together for that to be possible. So we're like, well, may, may not this time. Maybe in another 20 years. Okay, so it's feasible just to get a normal oven that behaves yeah. in the way that people over the age of 35 or so can understand. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't have an app. It certainly doesn't have an app. Um, uh, uh, do you know what? It, it has one smart function, and that... And uh, like I, I use the word smart there quite wrongly. Um, <laughs> okay, All right, go on. What is uh, it then? Uh, uh, the the top oven, like like you know, it has two separate oven compartments. Oh, what did the they there was a word for it that they used on the website, and I can't remember what it was. Like cavities, that was it. Yeah, like a word that you normally wouldn't mm. use. Yeah, not not positive connotations. Yeah, the, the top the top the top smaller cavity uh, can be a grill or. Function as a second oven. It's like there's like a dial you can turn it either way. Yeah, that's that's that, that's state of the art shit compared to the yeah. terrible one we had before. With with cavities, yeah. I usually think about bad teeth. teeth or, yeah, teeth, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not the best. <laughs> they could come up with a set, like compartment would have been fine, wouldn't it? Yeah, a compartment was the one that popped into my head, certainly. Uh, I I had to struggle to reach cavities from there. Yeah. If, um, the the main cavity sounds like something you'd find in, um, you know, the mystery flesh pit or whatever. That sounds like what I had to get filled at the dentist the other week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, new oven. That's good. That's turning up at some point. Um and then I'll put it in and I'll report back on whether you can cook food in it. [brackets I assume we can.] Um I tell you what, why don't you only report back if for some reason you can't cook food in it, which would be way more interesting to No, talk no, about. no, 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 no. Now we've established that I'm going to talk I'm going to talk about whether I can cook. I'll review some food I cook in it. How about that? All right. Um oh god, what a, I I've been rereading a series of i want to use the word trashy um but i th- i think the author probably wouldn't like that what, what, what's a what's a more polite way of saying trashy peter um light light I mean, i've been reading a series of light steampunk adventure novels um and they're they're quite fine they're they're a way to pass the um pass the time i'm not Hugely into the steampunk genre, but you know, I like Victorian stuff and um, sort of scratches that itch. Do they have a name? They do. Are you gonna say it? Yes, all right. <laughs> I'm just starting the Kindle app on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> These are some memorable books. Uh, well, uh, the, the the book series is called Um, The Newbery and Hobbes Investigations, uh, and okay. and Newberry is um, a Victorian gentleman, like a you know a man's man, uh, debonair, suave, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, uh, shame he's super addicted to opium, uh, and um, uh, Miss Hobbs is his beautiful assistant, who is also secretly. Uh, should I spoil stuff? Uh, she's also secretly a spy working for the Queen. He works for the Queen too. There, you know, okay. Victoria. Yeah, there you go. Both spies. But they don't know that each other is spies until like book three. I see. Yeah. And it's, it's it, they're fine. They're fine novels to read. I mean, like, don't expect sh- Shakespeare uh, <laughs> or. Um, yeah. Look, I'm just happy that you didn't open up your Kindle and say, oh, it's called uh, The Coming Race. <laughs> um... Uh, no, I, I, I keep those, those books in print. Um, (laughs) Oh God. Uh, yeah. There's like five or six of them. I was, I was reading, uh, the Osiris ritual. That's what got me back into them. Um, when there's a, uh, you know, an unwrapping being performed of a mummy they've brought back from Egypt and, uh, gasp terrible things into you, perhaps a curse. Ooh, Ooh. Ooh. but I've, uh, I don't, I never really got on with steampunk. I mean, these are fine to read, but like the thing where it's like, uh, okay, so uh, like, like a steampunk airplane, like I could get behind that. Right. But in these, they've got things like um, a doctor performing like microsurgery that like, you know, we couldn't do now. And I'm like, well, how, how, would, how is he doing that? How is the steampunk helping him with that? How is Steam assisting in this process? I, I think for me, and this is purely a personal issue. Uh, Aren't all of your issues personal issues? Yes. <laughs> um, I just struggle with the concept of alternate history in general, I think. Mm. Uh, because all I can think of during it is yeah but that, that didn't happen it wasn't <laughs> like that, 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 that the, uh, if it's a complete fantasy world fine I'm, I'm, I, I'll am I'm, just immerse myself in it and be fine Like all of this isn't real but when bits of it are real but some things happen differently there's just something that psychologically doesn't sit with me because I'm thinking yeah but but the Nazis didn't win So, yeah, uh, <laughs> listeners it was an absolute Trudge to get through um, a Wolfenstein with him like this. <laughs> periodically, <laughs> periodically being like, but, but but we won the war. Yes, Peter. I I know. I know we won the war. This is this is a fiction. <laughs> I know it's a what if kind of scenario, but it's 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 like it, it feels like the uncanny valley of fiction to me because it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's like historical fiction, but some major things are just. Off about it. I guess yeah, it's the same with the steampunk stuff for me because it feels like something that I should like. I'd be like, oh, I love, I love that. Lap that up, lovely steampunk, great. However, it's just when occasionally it dips into the bits of like, well, you know, this is just magic. I guess you know, this is this ste- There's a guy in one of these novels who has like an artificial eye, like that, that yeah. sends signals to his brain, and is like, you know as good as a normal regular and i'm like i'm like we can't do that now we've got microprocessors like what, what uh, how big would a would a steam powered rod logic computer that could <laughs> interface with the like it'd be the size of like saint paul's cathedral you'd have to wheel that fucker around behind him everywhere yeah i, I think maybe it's uh, what, what it is is that it's it's uh, very often it's kind of used as a kind of aesthetic isn't it without mm. actually any attention play, uh, paid to how this would actually practically work <laughs> yeah and uh, uh, and that's fine because like it's it, it's a uh, it, it's a cool kind of aesthetic a lot of people like that and uh i, I understand why people think oh, that that's cool but um as uh, i mean i think we both quite like uh hard science fiction yeah yeah that's that, that's, where, that's my preferred genre uh where, where they go often into quite some detail to how they think a thing would work in mm. practice and uh i suppose it's a bit jarring to step into a genre where often there's very little attention paid to the kind of practicality of uh, of something and it's just oh look don't worry about it it works it looks cool how does this work magic perhaps yeah. um i uh to give them some of their dues there is there is like a supernatural bent to the series as well yeah. so um uh there may be more to these things than just you know he's he's a really good surgeon but uh, i don't know <laughs> i uh <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's the it's the only part like like i enjoy reading them like i mean they've got things that are like feasible like they have airships and submarines which are both things that you know you could do with that level of technology i just think it's when it's like um reanimating a corpse with <laughs> <laughs> things that we would struggle to do now um <laughs> yeah uh like fantasy and magic i you know i'm fine with that being mm. the, the conceit in in books or something it's just uh, it's not as interesting to me uh, as uh Uh, as when there's something that has some sort of explanation and they might be taking a few liberties with science, but they they basically are explaining how it would work within the fiction. (laughs) Uh, Oh, God, the only other thing uh, I guess I've been doing recently, uh, a a friend of mine, Kay, has has started watching all of the Hellraiser movies in order... And that's dragged me into watching all of the Hellraiser movies in order. Mm. And um, oh boy, so there are two good Hellraiser movies, and then they made eight more. Um. Now, how many Hellraiser movies do you think I've seen? Um, oh, oh, do you, is that season three? Is this what we're talking here? Do you want to do? Do you want to do Hellraiser? Uh, I wouldn't say I want to. <laughs> See, Hellraiser as a film isn't even really that shocking anymore. I mean, I think you wouldn't you wouldn't find it distasteful or anything. I mean, it's it's not as gory as the thing, even well, I suppose they're, I'd say they're about the same, maybe. Yeah, I feel like like I might have said this in a podcast before, but I I remember seeing the the cover of it in the in the local kind of video shop, mm. uh, and and finding that quite unpleasant to look at. That's what I remember about Hellraiser. Yeah, well, he's he's not the prettiest dude in the world. Mm. Um, all those pins, right? Yeah, yeah, all the pins. Yeah, uh, his his name is Pinhead. Well, you know, sort of that's sort of his name. Yeah. See, I, as a, let's say, eight year old, would go into a video <laughs> shop and look at that cover and think, I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, thank you what's this oh, back to the future. Great. Let's rent that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you on the other hand. So, yeah, I don't know when I first saw a hellraiser movie, but what I think happened was, uh, my brother was watching hellraiser three. Okay. And I, and I, I watched some of that along with him because I have vivid memories of bits of hellraiser three and, um, hellraiser three is the worst hellraiser movie. Uh, I was going to say, is that one of the good ones? And apparently, no, not. no. Hell, Hellraiser three is. Um, uh, people would argue with me saying it's the worst one because, but it, it, it's it's down like you know it's. Saying which Hellraiser movie is the worst one is like saying which of these dead possums in the sack is the worst one. You know what I mean? They've all got mm. their different squishy, gross features. Um, but 3 has um, Pinhead where well, he starts off the movie stuck in a statue uh, then he sucks off a woman's skin into himself to to become a real person again, or like a real hell demon Cenobite thing um, then he kills a bunch of people and um, he turns them into Cenobites, but uh, do you know the Cenobites from Hellraiser? They're the, the creepy people on the cover, basically I, i've heard the phrase but i couldn't tell you anything uh so so uh hilariously they're called the order of the gash um okay. and wow. uh yeah yeah i know cool and uh they are humans who uh they went so deeply into the realms of of bdsm i guess that they ended up not knowing where the distinction between pl- pleasure and pain lies right and uh so you get they've they've sacrificed their lives to this magic puzzle box you solve the puzzle box uh thinking that they're going to turn up and like uh, wank you off or whatever <laughs> and um what actually turns what actually happens is they appear and you get the hooks they they rip you apart with hooked chains and are like did you not enjoy that and you're like not really no yes um so but they all get killed at the end of hellraiser 2 for boring reasons and um so he 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 creates five new ones um but the ones he creates obviously so you know he's he's got his classic design with his pins through his head and all that um yeah. and like his torn open things and his dangling sort of butcher knives that he's got festooned around him and the other sort of original ones had these sort of like timeless quality to them the ones he creates now are very 1990s right so so what he creates is a a man well he was a cameraman in life so as a cenobite he's got a camera in his head that that like a big old VHS camera that he can use to kill people with okay uh, one of them. Well, uh, like I, I feel like they were really getting into the dregs. Where she, she smoked a lot in life, so she's got a cigarette that she can burn people with. Okay. Um. Oh, and possibly my favorite. He has. Um. He was a DJ in a nightclub who got killed, so now his his face has like a CD slit shaped slit for her mouth, and he can fire CDs out of it that kill people. Nice. Like aggressively nineties monsters. Um. <laughs> Are they very sharp CDs? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine so. They kill people. Um, mm-hmm. I like if one of them, like you know, had mini discs that he could whip around and kill people. I don't know, <laughs> or, or, or or like a a shell suit or something. Yeah, they are. They are very nineties monsters, and they don't like they don't make any further appearances in the series after this after this film. I think mm. I think they realised it was a bit of a misstep, but yeah, um, Hellraiser three not the best of the bunch. Um, yeah, uh, but that was the first one that you saw in, any of. I'm mm. I, uh, I recently the the one I'm up to in this terrible idea of rewatching them is is actually uh, Hellraiser six I think, which is called Hellraiser Deader, as in like more dead. Uh. And how many did you say there were in total? Uh I, I think it's it's either nine or ten. I can't remember off the top of my head. <sighs> I mean that's not a great number for a series that maybe peaked at two. <laughs> uh deader was surprisingly good uh when you consider a few factors. Uh number one <laughs> number one, it got made because um if they didn't make a new Hellraiser film, they would have lost the IP rights. <laughs> uh, um, uh, it was filmed. It was filmed in a couple of months in Bucharest, hmm. uh, and and it was shown in like three cinemas, <laughs> and it eventually really, really sort of shame shamefully released on DVD a <laughs> few <every> years later. <laughs> uh, yeah, given all that, it's not too bad. Uh, there enough. are there are worse Hellraiser films. <laughs> All right. Um, are we are we ready? Are we ready? Are you ready? I'm. Am I ready? Are we both ready? So, um, my uh, my new notes for this section say introduce the concept, but fast. (laughs) Right. Okay. Which (laughs) one of us is going to do that? I'm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So you can follow my lead. From few, they say it is best to change the format of your podcast. Uh, th- in the f- the third from last episode yeah um yeah so so this is a podcast where we listen to listen to listen that's not yeah, you've even already a it I've, I've already got wrong I've already got wrong yeah you've you've ruined me peter why did you if anything this is going to take longer now yeah uh, so this is a podcast where we watch the movie that we started to talk about in this case alien in eight minute chunks if this if you have been listening to them more sequentially good work you are doing it successfully if not go back to the first episode and listen to that there that's good right succinct yeah and now i'm also going to introduce the game with the bells i've moved that up so that we you know so that we can it's in a more rational place in the podcast all right so what is the reason you said ding at me earlier while right. i was telling people about my lovely digressions. So we've got, we got these bells, right? If you press the bell, it goes ding, 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 ding. ding. And um, they go ding when we say thing. Wow, that rhymes! Why did we never think of that earlier? Well, we have referred to it as a thing ding. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But we, we didn't think of putting it in the form of a haiku, um, yeah. which that certainly wasn't. You can remember what the rules are now. Uh, yeah if using a simple rhyme <laughs> uh, <laughs> many verses uh yeah you press the bell um if the other person says thing or or they say uh was it Giga or Geiger which one i can't remember uh, if they Giger, like Giger Giger, Giger, Kappa, yeah. that's yeah. not how you that's not how you say his name you say Giga or something like that but pr- 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 probably someone who is better at pronouncing names in... Where is he from again? Uh, He is from Zurich. Uh, uh, Names of uh, people from Zurich Um, (laughs) uh, uh, will correct us on that, but uh, it's something like Giga. Hmm. Uh, Okay, that that will probably do for now then. Um, uh, Before we get into Let's Not Talk About The Thing, um, we actually have to start this episode with an apology. An apology, why? And a, and a po- well, do you remember last week we spent a lot of time talking about weight bait? Uh, we talked about weight bait, uh, which is what uh, was our term. The oral equivalent of clickbait. Yeah. How, how, don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more information about that later on in the show kind of shenanigans. Yeah, jokingly, at the end of the episode, I said, I better look it up on Urban Dictionary and see if there's an entry for it, mm. um, and I, I forgot to do it before I published the the episode. Okay. So, so, Peter, there is an Urban Dictionary entry for weight bait. You astound me. Um, what do you think it means? Uh, it's gotta be something about sex. come on that's that's just everything on on, uh on urban dictionary Uh, i think it's a term for when someone's uh, stringing you along implying that they're going to have sex with you right okay okay um the 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 definition from urban dictionary is uh items on the shelf of a checkout line put there for you to take while waiting to pay Okay, all right. And that's quite that's quite sweet compared to the usual stuff. Not as filthy as I was expecting. No. No, I'm I'm like well when I looked it up, I was like, this is gonna be this is gonna be something fucking appalling, right? I mean, mm. <laughs> but no, but no, quite mild, really quite mild. So um let's not talk about the thing. Alright, uh, so this is the segment of the show where you bring a topic that you have researched that is uh, adjacent to the film that we're watching, Alien, but not directly related to this This. 8 minutes. Right? Yeah, I'm very I'm very pleased you said researched rather than uh like just look on Wikipedia for 2 minutes which is I'll be honest with. with the last one I was reading along the Wikipedia page as you were saying the word <laughs> and it was very similar. <laughs> it's um you know it's it's open open content it's allowed. <laughs> Don't don't sue me. <laughs> Just a word changed here and there. They have algorithms now that check if you're doing that in uh, with like school essays and stuff. Well, f- fortunately, they haven't rolled them out to podcast recordings yeah. yet. <laughs> um, um, if you like that one, this one, this one is definitely almost identical. So uh, brilliant. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm You can skip half this podcast if you just uh, <laughs> uh, hear the topic and then just do a bit of go reading to, on Wikipedia. Go, go to Wikipedia. Then you can join us during the juicy bits that we're going to get to later of the actual eight minutes. I'm am d- definitely gonna uh, we're de- we're definitely gonna lose this part of the format in future <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> if we ever get to season three. Um, let's talk about Yafit Koto. All right, tell us. Mm. Uh, Yafikota was born November 15, 1939, and he was an American actor known for f- numerous film roles, as well as starring the NBC television series Homicide, Life on the Street. His most well-known films include the science fiction horror film Alien, which is why we're talking about him, the science fiction action film The Running Man, and the James Bond film Live and Let Die. Ooh, that's one of the ones I've seen. <laughs> wow, wow, there you go, listeners. Peter has seen a film. <laughs> uh, right. You know, this is a momentous day. Mark that down on your calendars. The, the day Peter knew a film. Um, he also appears in The Puppet Masters, a fact I thought I'd draw attention to because I like the film a lot. It's kind of a cross between The Thing and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. All right. Yeah, it's got um, Kiefer Sutherland's dad in it. Donald Sutherland? Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right right as well. By the age of 16, Koto was studying acting at the actor's mobile theater studio, and at 19, he made his professional acting debut in Othello. His film debut was in 1963, age 23, in an uncredited role in Four for Texas. He was sent a script for Alien off the back of his recent success with Live and Let Die, and it ended up being a little uncomfortable for him. Many of the sets for the Nostromo were barely tall enough for him as he was six foot four. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can see it in a lot of the crowd scenes uh, where, you know, where he's standing in the background, he will be hunched over and everyone, everyone else won't be because he's so much taller than them. Well, I suppose that's realistic. That's a problem tall people would genuinely have <laughs> on spaceships where there's limited space. Uh, why would you get a job working in space if you were easily, easily a foot taller than all of your co-workers? Unfortunately, he passed away quite recently on the 15th of March 2021 at the age of 81. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah, it happened quite recently. I think we may have been recording the podcast earlier in the year while it happened. Yeah, I think <clears throat> actually it had happened very shortly before we started recording this yeah. series because I yeah. remember mentioning it when we were initially going through the cast and uh, yeah, trying to figure out figure Yeah, that sounds about right. Right, so what's next? So we've gotta go through your answers to the important questions from last time. You said oh, yeah. who's infected? Maybe still Dallas, and I th- I think you're gonna get your answer in this bit. Um I know you don't think you have because you've watched it already and you haven't seen it, but I'm gonna show you a a deleted scene, a director's oh. cut, an outtake. Ooh. Okay. You've been yeah. alluding to this for mm-hmm. um In in the green room, as you put it. (laughs) You've been alluding to this. Dallas's ultimate fate. We will find out. Mm. Uh, And you said, what happens next? She turns the self-destruct off. So you feel confident about that one? (sighs) I think I get half points for it. <laughs> uh, do, do you think that? <laughs> I do. Yeah, because she does indeed attempt and nearly succeeds to turn the self-destruct off. But the thing that I didn't remember is that she fails to Come on, turn if- <laughs> the self-destruct off. If you're at the Olympics and you're getting a silver, you've still lost. You know, you don't you don't get any points for that, do you? I mean, who gets gold in this context? Who am I up against here? Um... <laughs> Me? <laughs> that's, that's hardly fair. You research these episodes, you know all of the facts. You... <laughs> um, the real... Like, it's like that Sherlock Holmes game, where like, oh, I, I've solved... The... Sherlock Holmes <laughs> solved the crime in three moves. <laughs> The real monster here is capitalism, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, but not highly relevant <laughs> to the current discussion. Okay, fine, I'll go with what, whatever scoring you, you decide, uh, but I claim the moral victory, <laughs> I, or the moral half victory. You're I sort of knew what was going to happen next. You will receive a third of a point. <laughs> okay. And your last answer who dies next and you said the alien oh oh bold bold choice sir bold choice hmm. i don't i don't really feel like any of these questions are going to change from here on in but uh we are really st- stuck hammer and nails to this format so um uh we're we going we go with that we're going <laughs> expect these questions again yep. um With all those words said, it's time to start looking at the episode with an eye. So, we're going to be covering one hour and 36 minutes to one hour and 44 minutes of Alien. As always, uh, we tell you it's not a watch-along podcast, but do what you like. We're not your bosses. Mm Mm-hmm i met a friend of mine who I haven't spoken to for a while um the other weekend and he was like oh i really like your podcast i really like just watching the movie in eight minute chunks and just listening to it and i was like that no that's not <laughs> like we expressly tell you not to do no. that <laughs> why, why, why are people so bad at following instructions oh is it us or are the children wrong i don't know <laughs> Why, tell us, listeners, why are you so disobedient? <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right. Each of you write an essay <laughs> about why you can't respect the rules of our format. <laughs> um, right. So, um, uh, we're going to go through it in the traditional way. I, I think we have less to say about this episode than usual, because... A lot of this episode is just Ripley running through the ship, but um, we'll get to that, I guess. Well, I suppose it's a natural thing with stories, really. We've been in this setting for a while. There's only so much that can be in this fairly confined setting of a spaceship. Uh, Hmm. All of the threads have been introduced now, and we're in the process of rapidly bringing them to a conclusion. So most of the stuff that we're about to see is stuff that we've seen before, but with some running around and tense bits. I tell you what, listeners, if if this section of the podcast is shorter than the section of the podcast wherein we just talk shit, um, you can burn us with a cigarette the next time you see us in person. How about that? I don't think we should uh, I, I don't agree to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't it doesn't hurt that much. It's fine. Um uh, oh there was another thing I was gonna say. Uh no, I tell I tell you what to bulk out this one. At some point during it, I'll drop in one of the facts we've already used just to bulk it out a little bit, just a little bit of filler. I'll I'll t- I'll tell you that Jonesy was four cats. You little forgotten that by now? What <laughs> what if you did a different one? And if you spot the already said fact and then write I'd, in, then then I'd have to go and look up another one from from the podcast notes. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's the only one I could remember off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, go on. Okay. The emergency destruct system is now activated. Yeah, activated. We, we, we got the last word from last mm. time where if, if it had only been like a, a min a millisecond longer, we'd probably have caught it. We were all in suspense about mm. what it was now, but it turns out it was just activated. The ship will detonate in T minus ten minutes. The option to override automatic detonation expires in t minus five minutes. So you've got you've got five minutes to rethink your decision. Yeah, and it did say that on the on the little um, panel. It did. So it did. if if you're reading that, you got a little hint at that in advance. Ripley runs from the room as alarms blare through smoke filled corridors. Mm-hmm. So the vibe here is that. The self-destruct system stops supplying coolant to the engine. That's what blows it up. So um, um it obviously doesn't take long for the coolant to start to heat up, considering now the ship is just spraying weird gas in every single corridor. Yeah. It's, I suppose, uh, well, if it can blow up a whole ship in 10 minutes, it's got to start heating up pretty quickly, I suppose. Uh right. So here we're gonna have our little, our little digression. We've got a, a digression within the main podcast itself. We've never had this before. We probably fucking have. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a director's cut scene because we talked about Dallas so much that we have to know what happens to him. I, I, I think, in fact, last time you showed me a little clip uh, of a deleted scene of the we alien did. attacking. So, we did. So, so this is literally precedented. <laughs> I. Uh, okay, uh, but well, it's it. No, it's unprecedented in that that scene never made it into a viewed version of Alien. It's oh, that has always been a cut scene. This scene was reintroduced in the director's cut to create a sort of cyclical life cycle for the alien. Okay, it's mildly unprecedented. Yeah, mildly unprecedented. It's it's similar to but legally distinct from the pre the precedented scene in okay. last week's episode. Okay. Uh, I will show you a thing. All right. Yeah, so there you go. So I, I showed you a director's cut scene where, where some bad stuff happened to Dallas. We find out what happened to Dallas. I, I'm going to talk about it now. We're going to... I know we went through the theatrical cut, but we we got so excited talking about Dallas, I guess we have to interject this now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, it, we start off with an excellent shot of Ripley climbing down a ladderway with the camera slowly spinning around her as uh, alarm lights spin above her. Mm. And um, that shot is very interesting in and of itself because that, that little uh, ladderway was built for the um, the bits where Dallas is exploring the air ducts earlier. Right. And uh it was suspended twenty-five to thirty feet off the floor at Shepperton Studios. Mm. And um in the first the first shot of it they did, they had uh, a stunt woman like with a safety harness in there um coming down, like crawling down. But Ridley Scott stopped it because he was like, I, A, I can see the wire, and B, you can tell it's not Sigourney Weaver because this actress is the stunt actress is much shorter than she mm-hmm. was. Right. So Sigourney Weaver had to do the stunt climbing down the thing like without a safety wire above a twenty-five foot drop, and um, to make all the the ladders look um, visually more interesting, they'd slathered them all with grease. Great, <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, the one stunt in Alien where I, you know, I could legitimately have fallen to my death doing it, and um, they they never used it. It didn't it didn't make it into the theatrical cut." I don't know. You think they'd put a mattress down or something? <laughs> I, I think after that sort of fall, maybe it doesn't matter so much. <laughs> uh, there, there's probably like laws now. I, yeah. We've spoken about this before, but movies from the past tend to tend to be like, well, perhaps the actors will die. <laughs> it's good to unglamorize some of this stuff. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> she comes out into the engineering space we've seen earlier, um, and sound drops off dramatically here it's much more muted you get the sort of faintest echo of mother still doing the countdown and mm. um, she hears a groan and approaches it and sees Dallas webbed to the wall with alien resin the lower half of him encased in the lip like structure of an oversized alien egg and she turns right. and sees Brett in the same but his egg is much more regular sized now shrunken so it looks like they're being transformed into eggs yes um, this scene is a little unclear because it sort of looks like they're being turned into eggs, like they're literally becoming them. But yeah. the script is clear in that they're both just serving as sources of nutrients for the new eggs. The eggs are digesting them and like building themselves up out of their bits. Yeah, I mean, uh, w- without being able to kind of see clearly what was happening, that was kind of what I figured. Mm. Uh, and I I feel like yeah I'm, I must have seen this cut at some point because yeah um, I mean the, the the theatrical cut of it the director's cut of Aliens isn't like a, a thing that a lot of people haven't seen I mean mm-hmm. um, it came out in two thousand and three uh, and really Scott wasn't thrilled about doing it because he he felt that it was more like you know they just wanted something. Yeah. To be like, oh, new cut of alien. Um but this scene has always been kind of famous, so I guess that's why it got dropped back in. Yeah, so I suppose that was my memory of why uh Dallas might still be a little bit alive. Mm. Where well, he throatily begs Ripley to kill him and mm-hmm. she burns him and Brett with the flamethrower, and that's that's the end of the Dallas conundrum. Mm. Which is definitely a seventies spy novel. Indeed. Um, <laughs> um, they there are there are actually some lines for Ripley here that got excised from the scene as well. Uh, where she she says to Dallas, like, "Don't worry, I'll get you down," and he's like, "No, it's eaten too much of me. Just kill me." Yeah, yeah, gross. Um, Brett is quite clearly too far gone. So it's an interesting little scene that sort of, if it had been in the film, it would have given a cyclical life cycle to the alien. It you know it starts um. It starts as an egg, comes out as a as a face hugger which turns into a chestburster which turns into an alien which finds people to turn into eggs. A complicated ass life cycle but like a understandable one. Yeah. Um, you know, perfect organism and all that. <laughs> yeah. Can't improve on that design. Structural perfection yeah. matched only by its uh, lust for crabs. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this scene um, was filmed, obviously, for the theatrical version, uh, but it was ultimately excised for pacing because they thought that it just kind of killed the momentum of the final chase sequence, Stone Dead. And y- yeah, it sort of does, but um, useful having it there to explain the life cycle, I guess. Well, um, its absence also kind of explains something else, which I think we're about to get to. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so here we just drop back into the regular cut. So um, Ripley climbs up a ladderway with Jonesy, looking around cautiously. Mm. She runs through corridors, looking around her as alarms blare and Mother continues the countdown. She peers around the corner just as the alien bursts up from the floor. Dramatic sting! <laughs> oh, that cheeky alien! Always oh. oh, <laughs> turning up when you least expect it. He's in the way. Um. She drops the cat carrier and runs back the way she came as the alien slowly turns around the corner. So, like, oh yeah, oh oh, I care so much about that cat? Jesus, <laughs> just happy to throw it to the wolves now. <laughs> Ripley flees as the alien peers curiously down at Jonesy in his box. Don't know why this uh, film is so keen on making it seem like the Jonesy and the alien are in cahoots. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like uh, uh, mutual respect maybe between one ruthless predator and another <laughs> I, I i don't i don't think the alien and the cat are in it together um <laughs> especially as in the director's cut here uh the alien hits the box and knocks it out of the way right and um i do you remember i pointed out to you that the music kind of cuts weirdly at the end of that scene uh yes. Yeah. So th- they literally just took out the last 3 or 4 seconds of it and then it just cuts to like some su- some horns blaring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that- that's the bit where the- where Jonesy the cat gets smacked out of the way. Oh, okay. Well, maybe the alien just likes cats. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the alien is just like, "Ah, oh, but however you are in my way." So <laughs> <laughs> Ripley runs desperately back through the ship. Um, It's some good camera work here because she's just obviously being followed by a cameraman free-handing it uh, to really heighten the tension. Yeah. She runs back into Mother's control room as the alarms blare and Mother counts off seconds. 25, 24, Mm. 23. So, uh, in the last episode of this, I uh, was curious as to whether... The timing, because we we knew that the timer kind of starts pretty much on on the dot of the the start of this eight minute segment. Yeah, uh, whether it would actually match the five minutes, and well, in this case, we know uh, that it's about three minutes since mm. this eight minute segment starts. Uh, so uh, it's it's short. It's a bit short, um, but uh, it is short. Uh, Well, first of all, I expected it to be long because that's the usual thing with movies. They say that you've got 30 seconds, but then there's like a two-minute sequence. Hmm. Uh, uh, But um, yeah, it is short by a couple of minutes. It's about three minutes. And that is approximately as well short by... Uh, the length of the deleted scene. Yeah, so. mysterious. I I do think that's more of a coincidence than anything else. <laughs> but I like to think that there's some attention to detail here, and uh, and, and Ridley Scott was just, you know, what <laughs> if we have a five minute countdown? It's gonna be five minutes exactly. Five week. minutes. Um. I don't know if I mentioned this before on the podcast, but my f- I think we might have talked about it when, t- when timers came up last time. But um, my favorite one of these is in um, The Fifth Element, where mm. uh, uh, the president of the universe uh, says to somebody, you've got 20 seconds to explain. And their explanation is bang on 20 seconds. <laughs> nice. nice. It's a nice little touch. He, 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 he says this thing even with a couple of dramatic pauses and he, yeah. he nails it bang on 20 seconds. I appreciate an accurate timer in a film, um, <laughs> and that said, I do think some of those seconds that are being counted down <laughs> were a bit long, and not all the same length of e- as each other. <laughs> well, that, that's that's what you get with computers in the future. They just don't know how long a fucking second is. Yeah. It, it, it makes a lot of stuff really spicy. <laughs> yeah, I reckon the last five seconds was in fact about eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get an interesting comp shot here of Ripley in the control room from far away, and you can see like sort of these spires in the middle ground as she works. Um, and it's all like you know obviously comped into one of the model shots. and it's very interesting to look at, but I'm not really sure what part of the ship this is supposed to be in. Um, yeah. It's really un- really unclear where she's look- where this whole thing is looking out into. Mm. Ripley desperately tries to undo what she's done, punching buttons and pushing columns down. She realises she won't make it, and pushes up the first levers in desperation. Just as Mother says that time has run out, the alarms become more intense. Really strict. You know, with something like an overheating of uh, a ship, you'd think there'd be a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah, I I was going to say pretty much the same thing. I'm I'm surprised that a, a... a thing which seems to be relying on just setting the engine on fire is exact to the second. <laughs> You'd think it would be a bit like sell-by dates, right? Where, yeah. uh, where you know, you can probably use it a, a little bit afterwards, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're putting the date a bit soon just to be on the safe side. you think they'd set the, the overheating cutoff to maybe... You know, a, a, a minute or two before it actually was just to be on the safe side. Yeah, but what, so what you're um what you're implying there is that um is that Ripley does have a whole bunch of time now, and they've just gone. Oh, how long will it take? Oh, approximately five minutes. I will put the cut off at five minutes, and mm. <laughs> maybe all the way up to eight, she would have been okay. It's just a yeah, just a naughty computer. Yeah, the Jobs worth computer is just like no, <laughs> can't 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 change it now. It's more yeah. more. Yeah, than my job's worth that. Um, it's, it, yeah, I oh, would have to fill out forms. We've we'd have to, no. Already submitted the forms to incinerate the engine core. Yeah, no, it's, it's out of my hands, sorry. Um, nothing I can do. Ripley shouts aloud that she's turned the cooling units back on. Mother impassively keeps counting down to the explosion. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, periodically you see little scre- glimpses of the um the countdown clock on like mother screens with those, it's like a flashing red x with like the yep. time counting down and they jump around all over the place <laughs> you if you go through and watch them all they are all higgledy piggledy they are, they are not consecutive countdown clocks at all yes um Ripley calls mother a bitch and smashes one of her screens with the butt of the flamethrower. If one of your end of the podcast questions had been, "Who would next be called a bitch?", <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd have maybe gone with the alien rather than uh, rather than mother. Do you want? Do you want me to add that question to the list for season three? <laughs> Who will next be called a bitch? Um. No, you're right. Cuz that's going to be really awkward when we watch Sister Act 2. <laughs> back in the habit. Um does Ripley expect the ship to respond here? I mean, or is this just exasperation because it's not It's very unclear if mother can hear and respond. Cuz if they want to talk to mother, they have to go into that fucking like nugget and type on that keyboard. That's true. Uh, I don't think that, um, yeah, I don't think Mother would be able to respond. I think this is pure venting, and it's like that little moment that she had earlier where she was like, Mm. okay, I'm going to freak out for just a second, because I need this. (laughs) But then I'm going to get my shit together and solve the problem. Back into the gas-filled halls, Ripley retraces her steps. She cautiously reapproaches the junction and finds Jonesy unharmed. Uh, Like, partially scrambled if you if you're watching the director's has <laughs> i guess she carries him through the open airlock into the shuttle as fire sprays at her from the corridor behind i say carries because she just kind of flings him through the door uh, and again i'll be like at this point i would be like right the cat if the cat's still alive in that box when we get there that's that's cool that's a plus uh yeah i don't care what happens to it in the meantime <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to b- worry about being too careful with th- the cat at this stage in the adventure. <laughs> so things here are really breaking down on board the ship. I mean, there's just like <laughs> there's just like fireballs in the corridors. Um I I, I, I suspect that maybe that 5-minute timer might have been more accurate than they were they were letting on. Hmm. Um it, it is really weird though when you think about the the, the... This is just a. This whole thing is. It's like the. Um. It's like the joke at the end of Portal, right, where you're in a room filling, slowly filling with deadly neurotoxin, that yeah. will kill you in exactly ten minutes. And if if you finish it in nine minutes and fifty nine seconds, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that last minute <laughs> that's the one that kills you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there it's being played as a joke, but not so much here. Hmm. Um. Uh, I don't think it matters, ultimately. I mean, it's only podcast nerds who will really pick that sort of stuff apart. <laughs> uh, well, maybe what's happening... Look, look, I've always said that I don't really believe in plot holes. I think most <laughs> plot holes can be explained away just fine if you mm. just like insert a few words... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe there's like a shaped charge that goes off at zero. Yeah. Maybe there's just something at the end that just kind of helps the reaction along yeah. to make sure that it's exactly ten minutes or something like that. Uh, there's a there's a tiny trained monkey in the engine core with uh, one of those things that you use to strike a triangle. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh the lighting for this whole sort of explosion sequence comes in part from a scissor arc, which is an open arc of carbon rods being brought together with like thousands of volts of electricity running through them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they generate flashes and are very, very loud. and uh, director of photography Derek Van Lin noticed that Ridley Scott had used the crashing noise they made as part of the actual explosions during the sequence oh speaking of noises there's something i forgot to bring up earlier actually which is that there are a wide and rich variety of alarms during this whole oh it, is all, it is all cowbell uh, <laughs> <laughs> um it, it there yeah I, i've been mentioning blaring alarms but not the quality frequency and variety of them um my my fa- my favorite is the bit when it you hit the uh you hit the five minute timer and the whoop whoops start joining in with everything else. <laughs> yeah, they they sort of go away after a while though, and the, and the main alarm that you have for some time, uh, apart from the kind of regular one that we've been hearing on several occasions, is this just kind of massive awooga kind mm. of uh, alarm that's going on in the background. It's kind of it's like the sound of a um uh, someone's uh breast being groped in a bawdy <laughs> 70s comedy. Oh, Jesus Christ, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that, that alarm is. Uh that's actually what's happening off stage. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> fucking hell, <Pete>. <laughs> <laughs> um I I like to think that um that the machine that was going whoop whoop just melted quite early on in the process. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Yeah, they. But wh- whoever designed this chip sure wanted you to know when something was going wrong and oh, yeah. how wrong it was going. I, I mean, this is pretty good, right? I'm, I mean, if if I'm inside a tiny metal box th- flying through space and that's going to explode in, in a handful of minutes, I I and I there's the possibility I was elsewhere taking a nap. <laughs> uh, I, I really want this to be, you know stressed i want to i want to like you know all the lights all the bells maybe spray me with some steam yeah with t minus one minute to the destruction of the ship ripley sits at the console of the shuttle and starts flipping switches they're out there are those really satisfying sort of like clicky click switches that i really like yeah um we see environ ctr purge flash on the screen in red and um That screen is later seen in another Ridley Scott film, uh, 1982's Blade Runner, when the spinners take off. Nice. Uh, People have said that this means that they're in the same universe, and I I disagree. (laughs) Do you think it means they're the same prop? I I, I, I think it means someone had a screen which said Environ CTR purge, that they could flash on and off. Um, Yeah. uh, At best, this is a homage. (laughs) I don't think they're in the same universe. I do not think that either. Outside, we see clamps released from the shuttle. Ripley pulls the straps tight on the chair, and we see the shuttle lowered down beneath the ship. With 25 seconds to go, the shuttle launches, fired out backwards underneath the ship. So, the nose thrusters of the shuttle light up, and it shoots out backwards? Why, why do you think it launches backwards, Peter? Um, it's poor design on the part of the manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a very cinematic answer to this question. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't think why that would be. But probably so that they can look at the explosion. From yeah, I mean, there you yeah. go. I knew you'd get. It. So you can see the ship explode through the through the windscreen. So yeah. So the, uh, we're jiggling back and forth uh, with the ship, like flying backwards underneath. The Nostromo. Fair uh, enough. The ship vibrates with Ripley inside. We see the Nostromo fly past outside the windows. The countdown keeps ticking down. Ten seconds to go and she's completely clear of the ship. We see the Nostromo and the refinery disappear into the distance. At one second, the window is filled with white light as the Nostromo explodes. Mm. So... Um, I couldn't actually find out how they did this effect, but um, we spoke about it in the green room, and yep. um, it does. You said it seemed like effects of the time, and yeah, like that. You know, the um, the Death Star exploding, that sort of thing. Yeah, or maybe even like some sort of close encounter style thing. Where you yeah. feel like there's something that's being drawn. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's actually some contention here in that the Nostromo seems to explode thrice. Um, yeah, it does but, a little bit, doesn't it? But I, I don't think it's a thrice way, thrice wise explosion. Mm. Um, I think what happens is the ship explodes. A few seconds later, the refinery that it's towing explodes, and that's the bigger explosion. Yeah, and then we see a different shot outside of the refinery exploding. Right. So I think it's I think it's two explosions. No, I think I, th- I think that's fine. Yeah. Mm. I I figured it was just different bits exploding yeah. at different times. Uh And yeah, I I tried to have a closer look at uh, this explosion the second time that we watched through this segment and uh yeah, I think it's maybe some animation, but what it could also be uh, I think that the last bit the very last bit where you kind of have those orange things streaming towards you definitely yeah. looks like some sort of animation. Yeah. Uh, but the bits before that, where it's just kind of the distant explosions, looks like it could be some kind of light effect that's been yeah. blurred or something uh, like that. I uh, You hit the nail on the head there. I think that's what's going on. Um, I'm reasonably sure it's just a, a, a brightening light and then it slowly fades out with something squiggly on top. Yeah. Ripley lays back in her chair and watches the light and howling noise fade through purple to nothing. And uh, as we said at the end of this, it's it's a very very neat segment. This, yeah, this this one, like I I, I jokingly said earlier that you could release this as a short film. I very... mean, it it's got everything. She <laughs> she uh, you know, uh, there's a woman on a spaceship. If you know nothing about this, there's a woman on a spaceship. Um, she that seems to be on fire. She runs back to the um computer to try to turn the alarm off after encountering some sort of weird alien. And then she gets onto a spaceship and flies away as the ship explodes. Like wow. <laughs> what? I I would contend if if we if indeed we were going to order the eight minute chunks by um which ones we think were best, and we're not going to do that, but if we did, this would be way near the top, I think. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't personally uh, put it near the top, uh, just on on terms of uh, how much I enjoyed the segment. Mm. But I would put it near the top in terms of how well it fit eight minutes of storytelling. <laughs> it's just a lovely little self contained uh, tale about a woman escaping a spaceship from an alien yeah and that's that's exciting because obviously um, that means that next week uh, we we're, we're in the clear right it's just gonna be um, it's just gonna be credits we're apparently done except you're about to ask me what happens next and I don't think we're done you don't, you don't think uh, no I'm gonna ask you who's infected uh, a question that has increasingly made less and less sense as we've been going. <laughs> Well, um I think that this little shuttle is infected with a little case of alien shit. <laughs> yeah, so if you're um if you are just watching along um in 8-minute chunks and you've never seen the film before, um y- y- ruined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, one of the most exciting twists in cinema history mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't i don't know if i'd call it that but um i was just gonna let you get away with that one name. one of my one of my favorite twists in a movie there you go <laughs> so even though we've kind of spoiled it a bit peter what happens next what do you think happens next i think uh ripley has a little shower gets into bed and uh is otherwise fine I think we're going to think for a few more seconds that everything is fine, but it turns out the alien is on the ship. Fuck. And didn't get exploded. Oh my god. How, um, how rude of the alien to not stay on the bigger ship. Yeah, so then there's going to be a final confrontation with mm. the alien, which I believe the result of is that it's going to get blasted out of the airlock at the end of the film and then she's going to go for a nice nap with Jonesy at the end. Wow. Okay, that's like that's like the next two episodes worth of stuff. I have to write this down. Hang on. Like two episodes. Yeah. With two episodes left. Wow. I thought the 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 final one was just all credits uh it isn't I checked uh, it's not okay. all, it's not all credits uh oh. which uh, again is just a testament to um, how little people they put in the credits <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh well in that case yeah no nap with Jonesy just yet in the next segment we're gonna get uh, uh, some sort of confrontation with the alien. Alright, I'll change it then. So you think the alien's on the ship and she will confront it. Yeah.
1: But uh, probably
0: not actually get rid of it yet. because I, in, I'm, I'm gonna say that happens quite soon before the end of it. Yeah. Um, in one of the innumerable alien rip-offs um, there's I can't remember what it's called but uh, listeners, if you know which film I'm talking about write in. Um, there is a bit where, you know, the alien has been murdering everybody, you know, continuously throughout the whole, you know, throughout the whole thing, and then they get it back on board, mm. uh, and like, you know, it's still killing people, and then it turns into like a cute ET-style thing. It's like, oh, it was just a a misunderstanding the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't it's... think that. Don't think this one's going to end the same way. To be honest. Yeah, I don't think we're going to redeem the alien. (laughs) Uh, No alien redemption arc. Um, Who dies next, Peter? Are you sticking with the alien? I'm sticking with the alien because, uh, well, as we've seen, (laughs) Dallas now is definitely dead. (laughs) Finally, finally we're done with Dallas. Yeah, I suppose if you count the director's cut, then actually it was dallas who dies next um, yeah that's true actually um yeah. uh i think we'll i think we will take the director's cut for this just for the purposes of giving you fewer points overall why do you always want to deny me these <laughs> meaningless points <laughs> because because you want them so badly <laughs> yeah. uh but now that we're clear of that, I would say mm. that most definitely we can say that the alien will die next. Sucks to be him. Um a, a, a question that again possibly becomes increasingly meaningless as we veer inexorably into the last few episodes. What are you thinking of the film so far? You've watched nine tenths of it. <laughs> I mean my opinion would, would you stop it... watching would you stop watching here? Um, you could. Well, I mean, stop if I stopped <laughs> watching here, then I'd assume that everything was fine, and as we say, it wrapped up quite neatly. So, um, oh, so you dear. could stop watching here and not feel like anything was lost. I think, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, no, I intend to see this one through to the credits, <laughs> to the grim finale. Yeah, no, no real change of opinion on the film. I still think that the opening of the film, the first hour or so of it, um, is uh, just the one that draws me in the most, uh, and the rest of it has been entertaining, but um, in a in a way that maybe feels a little bit less special than the rest of it. <laughs> um. I, yeah, it's hard to say it really for me what I would feel if asked to sum up the movie here you mm. know 16 minutes from the end um, but yeah I, I, I love Alien I, I I feel like it's got a pretty good conclusion like, well, like as we were saying it's got a real slow build up and then it's just rolling down the hill getting faster and faster and faster yeah. Until, you know, the ship explodes and you're like, ah, the alien is defeated and we can all have a lovely rest now. We can relax. The movie's going to end soon. But um you and I know different, don't we, Peter? We do, because we do. we've seen the film before. Yeah, because we both seen I don't seen know whether that was clear. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have yeah. I I mean we haven't guessed the ending. Um Uh okay. Um Time to end this nonsense once and for all, I guess. Um, listeners, if you have any questions or comments, send us an email to 8minitmovies.co.uk forward slash podcasts underscore email. Yep, yeah, do that. And how can they reach you if you want to be contacted in person? Did you notice that, like, what I just said was entirely gibberish and not an actual email address? Wait, was it? Yeah, it, it, was, it was just nonsense. I, I, I got into it, and then I was just making stuff up. You were saying it in such a confident kind of uh, <laughs> sing-song voice that I just took it at face value. Wow, this, this This is how little he listens to me when we're recording these podcasts. We've done um, this wrap-up so many times before, I just take it for granted. Uh, podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. That's, that's the real thing. There's no underscores in it whatsoever. I didn't even hear you say underscore. I just like <laughs> tuned out through that whole uh, email address because like, I'm not going to email it, am I? You're tuned <laughs> tuned, <laughs> tuned out through that whole hour and a half of podcast. I'm, I'm not like sitting here with a pen and paper thinking better write this down just in case I need to contact you. Am I? No, that, that, that is true. If you had feedback about the podcast, you, you could contact me in a number of other different ways. For example, you could call me on the telephone. That you- yeah. I mean, as we've established, um, I, I know what the last three numbers of your telephone n- number are. That's how well I know, uh, I, I know you. And I, I know them because, for some reason, I spent years, even though I was a a very good friend of yours, not saving you on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) And I just recognised you by the phone number that would always be coming up. You are a strange fellow. (laughs) Um, You can be found on the internet at Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like... Okay, so so it's like the baked dish, but if you take off the exponential character, yeah, there you go. Um, pi like the irrational number, yeah. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> I'm Kieran J Walsh on Twitter. Um, and that is it. it, it? <laughs> I I I don't I don't have a catchphrase. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, that's Kieran, like the uh, name of uh, Irish origin, but the version of it that starts with a K mm-hmm. um, and not the version of it that starts with a C. Uh, J, like the letter of the alphabet, and mm-hmm. Walsh, uh, like the uh, name that has, I think, been corrupted from Welsh at some point. I think that's mm-hmm. where, where that comes from yeah uh, um uh Kieran is an Irish name which means uh, little dark one mm. uh, and uh Walsh as you say comes from Welsh, ultimately uh but it, it just means foreigner in this context so my full name means little dark foreigner it's an appropriate um name for you in, in a way <laughs> thinking about your childhood and <laughs> look we're not we're not having another episode of this podcast turn into Like pop child psychology in the last two minutes. Well, you know, you were um, (laughs) we we had this talk last time about how you were given all those knives one Christmas. We're not Um, talking. We are not talking about the knives. Before we started this um, podcast, he said, "I'm holding a knife." Peter. (laughs) How do you, how do you feel about that? (laughs) I'm cutting, I'm cutting this out. (laughs) I'm saying it's not just me. It's not just me. (laughs) You're not, you know, yeah. You can try and throw me under the bus, but I wield the editing tools here. So <laughs> <laughs> you know you're not cutting this out. It's too good <laughs> oh, as content. Yeah, oh, it's it's good content. You can't cut out good content oh well uh <laughs> listeners if you have any questions about knives <laughs> <laughs> you can email us contact yeah um, and that in that gibberish i said earlier with backslashes and or whatever okay <laughs> goodbye <laughs> goodbye listeners it's been a real pleasure goodbye <laughs> bye, bye bye